Welcome to our podcast, Geeks, We Are Your Fathers. We're three proud geek dads and we're here to talk all things technology, gaming, science fiction and more. In this episode, we're exploring the world of smart homes and smart devices, including an interview with our former colleague, Casper. Hello and welcome to episode nine of Geeks, We Are Your Fathers. I'm Robbie. I'm Pete. Hi, I'm Dave. So smart homes are no longer a thing of the future. It might not quite be the Jetsons version that we envisaged years ago, but we are able to control devices around our home from anywhere. We can check on our pets from the office with smart cameras. We can ensure the heating is on from our smartphones. And we can even warm a pot of coffee ready for us waking up in the morning. Have either of you two started to dabble with the wide world of smart devices in your homes yet? <laughs> Do you know, my, my house is, um, I guess I'm semi-getting there. You, you're just saying about watching your dog, actually, from a camera. It just reminded me of a, a thing I saw the other week. Uh, it's called a Furbo. And basically, I think it allows you to, um, if your dog is, say you're on the phone on a conference call, the dog starts wandering up to you, wants to bother you, you can press a button and it fires a biscuit, right? <laughs> dog can go off and chase a biscuit. <laughs> or you can be out and about, obviously, and um, you, you just want to check on the dog and just, you know, give them a little treat and you can press a button and that flies a biscuit and they can just run around the house with that for a bit. So I thought they were really cool and they're, they're not cheap. They're like, well, 180 quid, I think, um, to get one of these things. But it's called, yeah, the Furbo dog camera and it basically allows you to to fling a biscuit um, to give your dog a treat. In fact, it reminds me of, um, there was a guy, um, it's, I think he was quite sort of trending on quite a long time ago now on uh, Twitter and he me. built one using an Arduino. Is it you know this one, Robbie? Because you yeah, pulled yeah. it out. What was his name? Toby, isn't it? Toby the dog. Toby the dog. Yeah, yeah, it was really yeah. good. I remember that. It, but that was different because with that one, anybody who tweeted with the hashtag feed Toby would give him food. <laughs> so in the end, he had. I think he had to stop it because his dog was getting a little bit too fat. Couldn't and get his ass out the door. Yeah. It, I think the problem was he went on to. Um, I can't remember what TV program or something it was on, and it then started to trend, and everybody was messaging. To feed Toby and this dog could not even handle the amount of food that was coming out at the start of this every time somebody tweeted uh, something would drop into his bowl the dog would be straight there and there was a live camera and then I remember sort of a, a couple of months down the line it would go into the bowl the dog would just look at it turn around and go back to sleep <laughs> <laughs> so I mean this only cool I mean this kind of gets us into the world of IOT you know the the internet of things um and all the internet of everything I think it was coined at one point but this is where that you know the world of of homebrew crosses to sort of you know now off the shelf available stuff because I mean obviously the furbo dog thing which you can buy off the shelf and anyone could use but this guy obviously built his own I think using say an Arduino and uh he, he lashed it up in his local hack space when his garage I, I was going to say that does sound like a, a home project begging yeah money, doesn't it but that's how a lot of things start, right? I mean, that's how a lot of these products kind of start out their life. They start as, you know, you know, an engineer or a maker or a hacker. You know, they kind of bring something together and then they launch a startup. And the next thing you know, you know, you've got dog cameras with flinging biscuits uh, coming across, and which are really cool. But but you know, that that so so for me, I mean, I've got a, sort of a few devices. I've got Alexas and stuff. But one one thing I have got on my mission before is I've got a um, LoRaWAN base station on my house. So. Um, if you're not familiar with that, uh, Internet of Things, obviously, where you connect devices to the Internet and you can collect data and, you know, um, analyze the data and maybe, you know, send commands to it and do stuff. Um, LoRaWAN is uh, a low power radio network, if you like. And um, you can I'm part of the Things Network Reading. So people put these little um, LoRaWAN base stations on their houses and you can build up almost a bit like a you know, series of cell towers for the cellular network, for the mobile phone network. You can build up all these little networks that anyone can connect into. 
to. So it, I've got one in my house. I think the range on a good position where it is now on the top of the roof is about 14 kilometers, I think you can get. So anyone within that range can connect uh, um, a, a, a LoRaWAN enabled device. So whether they've lashed that together themselves on an Arduino or built it themselves, or they've got an off the shelf product, which is becoming more commonly available, you know, for your, for your smart garden or your water tank or your temperature in your greenhouse, all that kind of stuff. It's really easy uh, just to connect those up. and. In fact, some of the lower grade LoRaWAN base stations now, which I think the Things Network sell, you can get them for as little as 50 quid, I think. I better check on the price there, but they're, they're cheap. I mean, the range on them is not very good. They're meant for in-home. So you can start to build all your own devices. So we, we've got um, a septic tank in our house, so we don't have a, you know, like a cesspit. We don't have mains drainage. And that thing is constantly blocking at the most inconvenient times. So <laughs> I want to put a little monitor in that to see when the water's rising to a certain point so we can go and solve the problem that it's blocking before you know it starts overflowing onto the grass you know so it's little cool things like that and another thing that really inspired me was was the weather forecast so what you can do is use big data if you like so there's a guy who invented the connected umbrella concept and that was all around um if you have an umbrella at your front door that's actually embedded with a microcontroller that is connected to the internet um, and it reads the weather forecast, you know, when you're coming downstairs before you go off on your commute, obviously not happening very much right now with everybody, but <laughs> if it's going to rain sometime that day, the end of the umbrella will flash right? like a little LED to say, I'm going to, it's going to rain today. You better pick me up and take you with you. So there's some really cool things that you can do. Uh, and a lot of these are homebrew kits as well. You know, you can buy things and develop them yourself, but it's becoming more and more common now to buy these kind of gadgets, especially if you're a follower of uh, Kickstarter and, and uh, Indiegogo and all these kind of websites. Um, you see all kinds of, of, of products on there where people have obviously taken a concept like that and then, you know, they're stop they want backing to produce them and sell them. So I, I love all that stuff, but it also gives you an opportunity to, you know, to start to build your own. Yeah, I'd love to get a, a robot vacuum cleaner and uh, or a robot lawnmower as well, but I'm not quite sure how the dog would uh, react to that. There's <laughs> but, some great uh, videos on YouTube of exactly how cats and dogs do react to them, especially. I mean, you're similar to me. You've got um, quite a small dog, so you, I think you'd end up finding them riding on it before long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and we've got a dog that uh it does not like the the lawnmower does not like the hoover you know so by the time you've gone out the door you know this thing would be in pieces across the kitchen <laughs> you go. but um we, even the lawnmower um we call it the iron dragon it's a big green um petrol thing and when you start it up that's it he's biting the tires and it's <laughs> just like you know so and that's why i need one of those furbies to you know furbos to fling a biscuit you can go and chase after that but so uh, yeah so that's for me so i have i have dabbled in this stuff and this say alexas and that and what what's really cool is is that there's quite a few um homebrew um smart home things as well and i can't remember the names of some of them now but th there's there's a few standards out there and if you've got a, a smartphone like a samsung smart things app on it some of these are all interoperable so you can actually create your own devices that actually would interact with that as well so um it's getting to the point now where i mean i've got cameras and uh, an alarm system and um, all kinds of stuff but they've all got different apps yeah, you know completely. if you want to control the central heating or stuff i've got like five different apps what i want is one app right that allows me to control everything and kind of be the master of the devices you know so when i'm out and the kids are whatever's at home i can turn things on and off and like i can with the wi-fi and disconnect them and all that but you know i want one app to do that not like five or six you know so yeah I mean, so that's, that's me so yeah that's that's kind of the problem isn't it at the minute is you there are so many different devices available and different things you can do but there's not one set 
app that you can go to and, and control them all with. And it does make life a lot more difficult. Um, but at the same time, it's it's much easier to get into than you think. I mean, I think yeah. when, when I first started to think, have I got a smart home? And I was thinking, no, I've not. And then I start to look around and I go, well, actually, the, the amount of things I've got around the home that I'm controlling through the internet that I can control through my phone, through voice recognition, you know, whatever. It's everything from just, the, you know, the wireless printer up to the, the Alexa and, and then, yeah. you know, all of those sorts of things you then start to think, actually, yeah, I, I have already made that first step. Um, yeah. And then you've got the easy steps that you can take now. Things like smart lighting are so easy to install for anybody, whether you've, you've got any tech background or not. They, well, they just plug in, don't they? You don't even have to do anything. And they've made everything very, very easy yeah. um, to connect. So, yeah, it's, it's just crazy how you take these things for granted and they just become part of your life without even realising. I mean, I... I had last week, I was doing some homeschooling with the kids and my youngest is learning to tell the time. So um, we created a board game and we said, let's create a board game around telling the time. Um, and I went, right, but what we need to do is go and raid your games upstairs, go and get me a dice. And they said, oh, um, I'm not sure where the dice are. Let's just ask Alexa. <laughs> and I thought, what do you mean ask Alexa? I said, well, just ask Alexa to give us a random number between random one, and six. one and six. And right. yeah. that was their answer to it straight away is the way they're thinking is, I'll just ask Alexa. Wow. I ask her everything else. And the same we were um, talking, we we do every week, we, we pick a different country and we then have food from that country. So every week we'll, one of us will come up with a, a country and then we'll decide, okay, it's Portugal. We're going to have Portuguese food this week. And we've been doing this now for about a year and we're starting to run out of countries that are very obvious. Um, so instead of them going to do any research on it, again, I said, right, you, your task today is to come up with a, a new country. And first thing they did, go to Alexa. Alexa, give me a random country. And, it's, wow. you know, it's just second nature for them now. And it's, it's so easy to see that, you know, this is going to advance and become more and more um, as we get through the years as well. I, I wondered to think what their homes are going to look like when they grow up. You know what? It's almost like um, we're talking about AI and stuff. Like, I, I know Dave is a big fan of this show, but like the talkie toaster that you've got on on uh, Red Dwarf, <laughs> it's AI, but it also cooks toast. You know, yeah. but um, I toast, you know what? Therefore, I am. I toast. Therefore, I am. But you know, one thing that we are so behind on compared to Japan, uh, and that is toilets. Right? <laughs> Have any of you been on a Japanese toilet? I I've been on one. I've seen them on TV. Yeah, I'd, I've been on one very similar because my dad's just had one installed. Strangely oh, really? Enough. Yeah, um, just as he moved into his new house. But I had never been on, on in Japan. Do you know, I, I've I've been to Japan a couple of times and it's just, you know, in terms of like living in the future, I mean, these guys are kind of streets ahead, especially, you know, in um, electronics within the home. But toilets are just the most weirdest experience. You know, you go in there that, you know, they've got heated seats and buttons everywhere. And if you press the wrong button, you'll shoot water in your eye and... You know, you've got to be really careful, but they are just in, incredible pieces of engineering. And in, and in public toilets, actually, um, that they have them as well. And I, I did a, a few years ago when I was a sales guy in, in, in this industry, in semiconductors, I had a customer who was programming um, audio uh, chips, basically, what they were, and they used to give, uh, uh, they could put a few different sounds on it. And what they would do, they put them into these smart toilets. So, there was a problem in Japan where, especially ladies, um, to try and cover up the embarrassment of making toilet noises, they keep pressing the flush button and wasting loads of water. So what they did is they came up with an idea, well, let's make a panel on the wall with a sound panel where you can press buttons and make that sound of the flushing through a speaker rather than actually having water being wasted. Oh so you, there's other noises. In fact, that when I went last time, um, 
last year to Japan. They had that in one of the toilets. It just made, reminded me of that. So there's obviously an application that's caught on because, you know, you just think about, you know, the amount of water that used to be wasted and just a very simple solution of, you know, putting, you know, audio chips with, you know, select your button and make whatever noise you want to cover up um, um, the, the toilet noises that were happening. Then it's just incredible, isn't it? So of what they think of. So, but uh, yeah, they're, uh, maybe they'll install a Lexus in toilets next and you can ask the toilet for something. But uh Anyway, there you go. That's that's my uh, my thought for the day on the Japanese smart toilets. So there was a there was a program recently. It was Guy Martin went to Japan, um, and I love watching Guy Martin. He's 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 just fantastic. Yeah, but he showed that he he was in his hotel room and he called the cameraman in. He's you got to see this, and it was exactly as you described. It's a a computerized toilet for want of yeah. a better term. Uh, it just it did make me giggle. Yeah, it's very funny. Very bizarre. Um, my dad only wanted one because it was easier than turning the light on when he had to go to the toilet in the night. Because <laughs> the sensor would just come on and up come the LEDs and it was <laughs> it meant that he didn't have to disrupt the rest of the house. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I can't it. think of much worse. My kids, I'm, I'm, until recently, until we had two cars, we, we were a one-car family. And every now and then I'd need a car and my wife would need one, obviously before lockdown. So I'd go and hire a car for a day or a couple of days and normally there were little things I had no particular interest in anything fancy I turned up it was basically the last time I hired a car just before Christmas and I, I, at short notice I needed a car I went to Enterprise um, other car service whatever are available um, anyway I went into Enterprise and, uh, and I said uh, right I'm here to pick up the car that I booked online like an hour ago and they said oh you've, you've picked a it was a small car a Daihatsu or something like that do you want to upgrade to a... I've got a brand new 3 Series BMW at the back. And I said, no, 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 I'm fine with the Daihatsu. <laughs> they went away a couple of minutes and actually worked out that they didn't have any other cars, so I got the BMW for free. Um, but we got in there, and, and my kids were with me, and they, they got in the car, we put the car seats in, they got sat in the car, and then they found out that the lights inside the car could be made to glow different colours. <laughs> and they spent the entire journey, all they were doing was playing with the coloured LEDs inside the car. If the toilet did the same thing, then we'd never have any peace. <laughs> they just sit there, right, what can I make this toilet do now? It's, it's, so this is my thing about smart, smart homes and smart technology. We, we've gone down the route of, we've got cameras, we've got security uh, doorbell and security cameras around the place. And we've got a couple of Alexas in the house just because they're convenient. Mm. We don't do much with them. Um, but there comes a limit. This is obviously showing my age. Some of it's useful, but some of it at times you think, is there actually a need for some of these applications? Yeah. Do we really need <laughs> toilets where the LEDs come automatically when we go into the toilet? Just... When you get to a certain time in life, Dave, though, and you have to get up in the night for a wee, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> to see I'm... where you're going. <laughs> getting to that age as it is so let's not let's not dwell upon that too much um but yeah i've, I've we've not really gone down the, the the smart home route too much my wife is more into that kind of stuff than i am we've got various devices around the house that that she uses and she does use she uses the technology but i it's not second nature to me it's interesting robbie the way you describe your kids they're just second nature they go straight to the smart device rather than go and find a dice yeah uh, I'm, I'm blaming laziness more than technology, but <laughs> it, it does enable them. So it is definitely an enabler for that. But here's an interesting thing. Does that mean that that's a good point? Is this technology making us lazier? Yeah, completely. There's, there's, mm. that's, that's an interesting well, conversation to have separately in that we've got lots of technology that's letting us do lots of things automatically or they're doing it for us. 
I listened he's, he's, to um, a couple of weeks ago, actually. On We've got a, a sister podcast, which is the Design Spark podcast. Um, and a few weeks ago, they, they actually released a, a Smart Homes episode. And the, the expansion pack was an exclusive interview with a lady called Stacey Higginbotham, who is a, an IoT and smart home expert. And she was talking about exactly that. And she was saying, this is probably the one thing that will stop smart homes from really taking off wider than they have so far because it hasn't really advanced too much over the last sort of five to six years and that's because a lot of it what is the payback you're spending extra money to get these philips hue light bulbs for example mm. or the ge versions or whoever and all you're really saving is the time to get off your backside and flick a switch <laughs> and it's just because you want to sit there and, and turn it on or off that's when the other smart device screams at you for not moving for 15 minutes, isn't it? You exactly. Know, so and gonna, yeah. yeah. I think this, yeah. there are certain things that are, are useful. So some of them, there are things that I do think, wow, this is incredible. So one mm. of the things she did talk about was a smart oven. Um, and it was a smart oven that's now being released this year that's got AI technology built into it. So you would put a, a chicken into the oven and it would automatically use the AI to scan with a camera and say, is this a chicken? You would say, yes, confirm, it's a chicken, and it will cook it to perfection. And it will know exactly based on, it will know what the weight is because it's got the scales in there to measure it. Wow. And those sorts of things are useful. It means you're never going to have a burnt dinner again. But actually, some of the things are, are just nice to have. So I definitely agree with that. And if anything, they are just making us lazier. And I, I think sometimes as well, there's maybe a misunderstanding of, of how everything works. So um, another story that did make me laugh um, involving smart homes was with my my father-in-law. Um, so he's um, Persian, he's from Iran, and so was his wife. And sometimes his, his wife will travel back to Iran to visit her family for a few weeks and he'll remain in the UK working. Um, but she has control of their smart thermostat from her phone. And the amount of times <laughs> where she she's obviously warm in Iran and she then just second nature is to turn the heating down on her phone and suddenly you're around visiting him and it's absolutely freezing in the middle of winter and it's he like can't the ice island of Hoth, yeah. yeah and he's going i can't even control it. It, it i need to ring her in around to get to turn it back up so yeah wow. it's, those sorts of things do do make me laugh but um you yeah, know the, that's the thing with smart devices it's like you you have one controller and if you live on your own it's dead easy right you set you know you set the heating to when you come in stuff but what, with the, with kids isn't that you know there's generally somebody always there or especially at the minute but you know you know what i mean it's i can't see how it really works for families having like one master of the device because you know if you're not always there or if you're living on your own i totally get it but yeah being a family it must be so more difficult challenging to try and balance all of that out you know yeah. you need to be at the house to do it really rather than out and about but that might be about who has control over the tv remote all over again yeah times <laughs> yeah especially now that everybody's got the app on their phone and they all have a separate tv remote so you're all changing <laughs> it at the same time oh i mean thought of that but yeah well that's funny because i i did that a few weeks ago i couldn't find the remote anywhere the kids had been in there and i didn't know where they put it so I thought, mm. you know what, I'm just searching on the App Store. Sky Remote came up within minutes. Because it's a Sky Q box, it's connected to Wi-Fi. took me two minutes to connect, and I had a remote control in my hand on my smartphone. Mm. And it just solves, again, it's lazy, but it solves those problems. It's but, not the same, though, as surfing on a squelchy keyboard, though, is it? You know, with the, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. that, you know, you don't, yeah. It, yeah, it definitely wouldn't be a real replacement. But I mean, <laughs> I, I think some of what we've just covered there as well, Pete, probably comes back to your comment earlier around the one device that or the one app that rules them all 
how difficult yeah. would that be to control everything? So if we, we consider that in a smart home, you've got, let's say we've got a, a burglar alarm that sets when it knows that people are in bed or yeah. when it, the AI tells it that everybody should be in bed. Then what happens if you have a night where somebody's ill, if somebody's been out and they come back late, if you've got a baby mm. and it wakes up at two, three, four, oh, but five. But then if you're getting it back late, it knows from your position on your phone that you know one of your kids is still out partying Only- or whatever. <laughs> Only right, if they so, allow you to do that, though. Well, right. yes. <laughs> good point, good point. And if you've yeah. got a, a one, I mean, again, it all builds around, yeah. it's all built on data, isn't it? So it's all built yeah. around your your habits of what you're doing. So if it expects that every night you go to bed at 9 p.m., does that mean that on the one night you decide that you and the wife decide we're going to sit and watch a film tonight, you're sat yeah. there at 10 o'clock and suddenly everything shuts off because <laughs> it expects that you should be in bed by now? It's, yeah. it's that those fine details I think are going to take a little bit longer to try and iron out and to to get to a point where we're happy for those things to happen and of course the only way that happens is it needs even more data on us and that's the one thing that people seem to be worried about more than anything with the security side of smart homes Well, that actually raises another issue because if you're trying to create the one app to rule them all then you've got to standardize your data inputs you've got got to normalize the the communication protocol and it's funny enough I'm, I'm involved at the moment on on something from the industrial world where lots of people are trying to unify a particular uh, piece of software um, and so that it effectively it becomes an industry standard that's very powerful in the industrial world but if all of a sudden all of your data is all formatted in a universally known way does that make you more vulnerable to security breaches because yeah, you know what there yeah. was that story wasn't there about the well, i think it was a kettle so you know because the weak it's the weakest point in your network that can allow something in yeah and i'm sure there was an iot connected kettle uh, i'll have to google it but that that uh, basically uh, hackers could get into your basic burrow into your network and then start stealing your bank details if you like you know because they're going onto your other devices so that's the thing that is a problem with with security security is a big big thing and there are most of the Especially the big semiconductor companies, they are they have that in mind, and they've all got you know um, security enabled uh, devices, you know, with um, encryption and and that is that's big business now. I think you know that 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 really is uh, people don't realise that you know that that weakest point in your network can can completely you know someone could tunnel in and and and, and they're in you know even though yeah. it, it, just yeah. through a device that's connected to the internet that's not that's got poor security settings. So. Yeah, and it's definitely so you... not been the the number one priority when all of these things have been invented. It's it's a case of being easy to use and building on that user experience. I think especially early on when we started to see a lot of smart devices, the security wasn't great. And you could no. see there was a lot of cases where people were being hacked. In fact, I remember a big case in the UK where I can't remember if it was the Hive or the Nest thermostats. And there was a, a wide scale hacking of those and they were turning mm-hmm. everybody's heating up and then turning <laughs> them down and, you know, just putting them in extremes to show how easy it was to hack into the systems. Yeah. Now, it's good when that happens early on before there's too many people have adopted the technology because it moves the companies to do something about it, but yeah. it should never be released to market with, with those kinds of problems anyway. There's always somebody that can... I mean, that's the thing. Nothing is ever 100% secure. Eventually, somebody will find a way in, you know, but um, you've just got to keep developing. That's what they're always obviously doing. It's always always good to update the software patches and everything that comes oh, out, yeah. isn't it? On any device you've got, yeah, so. always keep that software up to date so you've got the best chance of keeping anyways, people out. Yeah. That sound means it's time for our special guest interview. And this week, Pete has been speaking to Casper about his smart home setup in the Netherlands. 
everyone. I'm with my friend Casper, Casper Schumacher's, and uh, I've known Casper for a number of years. We've worked together, and uh, over that time, Casper's been telling me about this uh, amazing home in the future that he's been building. And uh, it would be great. I just wanted to get him on today and just chat about what he's done and how easy it is to kind of integrate some of this stuff. So, hi, Casper. How are you doing? Hi, Pete. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I'm very well. The weather here in the UK is pretty sunny today, and uh, of course, you're over in the Netherlands. And yeah. uh, how's the weather with you? Same here. It's uh, sunny, has been for the last couple of days. And um, it's actually, we just uh, closed, I think, the sunniest May ever on wow. record. So, yeah, we can't complain. Very, very good. So, as I was saying to uh, the audience now, you created this amazing smart home that you've been telling me about. And so what, what inspired you to do this? How did you get started? Yeah, actually, it was a, one very small problem I wanted to solve. Um, uh, when we were um, uh, just uh, the two of us, my uh, then girlfriend, now wife and I, um, when we had our first child, we were still um, in Amsterdam living in an apartment with the baby room next to the front door. Nice. And, uh, as, yeah, as our uh, eldest uh, um, got to one, one and a half, I think, and started walking, um, uh, I was a bit afraid that he would just um, open his door and then open the front door, walk out the door because we had this, <laughs> this kind of internal lock that you just, you know, if you pull hard enough, it opened uh, from the inside. So... Um, and uh, I heard a bit about home automation. It was, I think, about five years ago now, uh, five, six years ago. And then that's when I started, okay, well, I can just put an extra lock on the door or make it a bit smarter. So uh, I bought myself a, a controller, uh, whatever that was, um, from a brand that was uh, seemed to be established at the time. Yeah. And, um, uh, and a switch that I hooked up to my bed light. And um, so when he would open the door somewhere, um, during his bedtime, right. um, then my nightstand light would start flashing. Oh, well, that's pretty Ho cool. Hopefully it was enough to wake me up. It didn't happen once, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that got me started, yeah. Very good. So this was something that you you kind of bought off the shelf at that point. This was something you just researched and you bought that, or did you actually build that yourself? This was something I bought um, mainly because... Uh, uh, I did some some tinkering, uh, also with stuff I bought actually, uh, on on um, yes yeah, so the stuff you get from the, the the DIY store with with a remote and some switches that sometimes listen to you and sometimes they don't. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to do a bit more of a uh, a set that was um, let let's say more reliable. So yeah. uh, once a signal gets sent, it actually happens. Uh, or you get a notification that it, something didn't go right. Um, so I bought this off the shelf rather than than uh, trying it from uh, doing it myself. Obviously, there was at the time already some open source software like Domotics around. Okay. Um, that you can actually run off a Pi, um, but it wasn't as as reliable at the time um, as these off the shelf products were. So yeah, I decided to go off the shelf and then well. Not necessarily make, but combine until it did what what it needed to for me. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I mean, I've certainly looked at home automation. I've got a few bits in my house, but the whole interoperability thing is kind of where I got a bit stuck. I mean, you have to spend quite a bit of time, I guess, looking at that. But I think if you can integrate stuff that you've bought off the shelf and then you can include your own components. I mean, I, I know that IKEA, for example, I think some of their lighting controls... Uh, you can actually hook into some of these open source apps that you get on your phone. Have you, have you got anything like that? Yeah, I mean, 
what they do quite well is not trying to um, uh, lock anybody in. Uh, yeah. So they, the, the, the wireless protocol they use is called Zigbee. You've got others like Z-Wave, and those are kind of a mesh network, so signals hop over the different Z-Wave or Zigbee devices that you have. Um, and they talk back, so you, you send a, a command and uh, the light needs to go on, then the light goes on and it says, yes, I'm on at whatever percentage. Um, so the network or the sort of protocol they use is, is a, a solid one, Zigbee. Um, and secondly, they you need to have a controller for that. So they've got their own, which is, I think, pretty cheap, actually, 35 euros or something, yeah, okay. just for the lights. Uh, but they hooked it up to the internet so you can actually, you know, with an API, uh, start using that um, with your own kind of controller. So be it that off the shelf. So my controller is by a brand called uh, Fibaro. It's all Z-Wave based. Um, I've got a plug-in so that I can also control uh, IKEA lights. And I think they've got curtains now and stuff like that. So, oh, wow. yeah, I mean, they, they've done us and themselves a favor because i think your your audience your market is, is much wider when you actually you know open up to other platforms using your your hardware um by doing that yeah okay so can these things kind of work with you know you've got like the samsung things and you've got um well, i guess uh, other other technologies like amazon alexa and google home and can can they kind of interact with that as well yeah i mean you've got you've got HomeKit, you've got stuff like um uh, like I said, domotics, um, and what what the the big difference here is the protocols they use to communicate wirelessly, um, and uh, so you've got Z Wave and, and Zigbee, you've got the four three three band, you've got you know Bluetooth and infrared, um, and uh, hardly any of those. I mean, you can integrate them, yes, but then you you're very much dependent on the internet because yeah. you need a kind of IFTTT to do that. Um, but secondly, if you want to keep it off internet, which was one of my uh, kind of ground rules that I set. Right, so from a security that, perspective, I guess, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, security plus, you know, don't want to be dependent on whether your, your line is up or whether it's busy or IFTTT is down or whatever. I just wanted to always work. Um, I went for the version that, you know, runs everything uh, locally, which granted does limit you a bit in integration. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, it's still possible. So I did see that I think you've got one of these, um, you've got a watering system, I think, haven't you, in your in your garden where, have you connected that to the internet, haven't you, to look at the weather forecast? Yeah, 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 so yeah that needs to be connected. Yeah, so, oh, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, not at all. So, no. so that, how does that work? So you basically yeah. what you, you sub API into a weather service so that you don't water the plants on a wet day, right? Is that basically how it works? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. That's that's the the, the idea behind it. And actually, it's made uh, pretty simple for for the end user, which I am in the end. You know, none of my my tinkering uh, so far required a soldering iron, so I don't know if it <laughs> qualified as tinkering, but. Um, uh, you know, it's it's a combination of, of hardware and letting it interact with each other. And this in this case, I use, a, a, I think it's a French company called Netatmo. And they've got these kind of weather stations for inside and outside. And uh, internally, they monitor uh, humidity, um, uh, uh, CO2 levels, temperature, oh, okay. 
even even sound. And externally, they've got a kind of a small module there, all on a, on, a, uh, on a battery. I think that lasts a couple of years. Um, and outside, it also uh, does humidity, temperature, and uh, pressure. I think, but you can add add-ons, which is one is a, a what they call an anemometer, so wind. Oh yeah, anemometer. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and the other one is rain. Um, and Which you get a lot of in the Netherlands, right? We, yeah, yeah, yeah. We get a lot of, actually, we, we're in the most dry period ever because of all the sunshine and yeah. the rain for the yeah. last month. But normally we swim to work, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, so that's all, it, you know, the, the Netatmo server gets all that information and you can read it from an app. But you can also integrate it with that system that I've got um, because they provide an API. And my system, the Fabaro system, has a plug-in for Netatmo. Um, so every, I think, 10 minutes or something, it checks whether uh, something has changed in terms of temperature. And then the fun part starts. Um, because when you get all the data on your Fabaro system, then you can make a scene. And the scene is basically automating uh, what you would normally do manually. Yeah. Um, and uh, with a scene, you can either do drag and drop with blocks. So if, and then you pick a device, then you pick a device, and then, you know, uh, conclusion is either lamp on or off. Um, or you can do some coding, which then opens up a bit more. It's called um, Lua, L-U-A. Okay. It's a coding language. Anyway, and, and, and what you can do with that is a bit more bespoke. So what I've now set up is that, uh, normally, my sprinkler system, uh, which is you know the irrigation in the garden, um, it's just a, an on-off switch on a on a valve. Um, one tube runs through the garden, but um, when the information from the tadmo comes in, then you know let's say I've set it now to when it's a to, on a day it's above twenty-three degrees uh, and sunny and no rain's been detected. Then at I think two a.m. at uh, middle of the night it runs the the garden first front garden and then the back garden uh, for about uh, 15 minutes but if it's about 25 degrees then it'll run it twice as long about 30 minutes but if then uh, rain has fallen the same day it will skip a day you can even say how much rain needs to fall before it skips a day wow that's um, cool. and that kind of tweaking it does take time uh, yeah. one of the downsides of this uh, this tinkering <laughs> but you know it, it is fun to actually get and then it's set and forget because it just takes care of itself yeah so is this saving you any money right so all this sort of stuff i guess you're doing this at two in the morning is i guess you, you want a water meter and it's cheaper then or i guess electricity is like that not water but does this actually this whole smart home thing you built is this saved you any money in the long run in the investment you've yeah. made you've got solar panels too i think you were saying at one point have you got solar panels yeah, yeah, we've got solar panels, and uh, the main source of saving uh, any money is our gas usage. Right. So at some point, um, uh, we've got, uh, uh, what do you call that, a gas burning central heating? Okay, yeah, gas yeah, central heating, yeah. we call it, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah. in the Netherlands, we run that off of gas, Yeah. and um, with the gas, um, uh, we we then you know heat the whole house and every um, room in the house has got its own radiator with a thermostatic knob. Normal, okay. you know, it, it's all set to about twenty degrees. But yeah. you know, during the day, the kids are going to school. I'm in my home office, for example, during the week, and um, my wife's at work uh, outside of the house. And um, 
what used to happen is that you know what because I'm uh, working from my home office on a certain day, I programmed the, the very normal heating thermostat to uh, heat the house yeah. to about 19 or 20 degrees because I because I was you know in my office or downstairs getting a cup of coffee, and um, then I switched to zone heating, which means that every room is um, uh, the, the what is it, what is it uh, the thermostat knob on the radiator yeah. is um, replaced by uh, a radio controlled one. Okay. And just just on a schedule, it sets the the rooms to either you know heat it to only fifteen sixteen degrees or nineteen twenty. So um, what I did was an hour in the morning when the kids got up. Uh, it was nice and warm in their rooms. Then it would, you know, uh, 19, 20 degrees. Then it would kind of uh, close the valve again to uh, to let it cool down to 16 degrees while the kids are at school. My home office is nicely, nicely warmed with about 20 degrees. Yeah. My downstairs is uh, about 19, 20. Um, and that actually, I think, saved us, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of percentage um, gas, um, I think almost 30% in the wow. first year. That's yeah, amazing. ridiculous. Because otherwise it was just unused heat. Yeah, yeah. And now you can you only get it to the to the rooms that actually need it. Um, and in terms of uh, electricity, well, all these devices do take some electricity. Of course, most of them are are built into the wall into the wall switches, uh, so you can't see them. But the, they all kind of listen on their radio frequency. So I think they zero point three watts per thing. Okay, it, it pretty takes, low. I, yeah, yeah, pretty low. But I've got. 25, 30 of them, something right. like that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it does add up. Plus, you know, for all this measuring of energy, because I, I do like to keep track of, of yeah. how much energy we're using, um, I, um, I've i got a Pi running with um, a bit of open source software that's specific to the Netherlands called DSMR Reader. Okay. DSMR stands for Dutch Smart Meter Reader, and then again, Reader. Uh, for some reason, okay. but uh, a guy who built it, and um, uh, so every ten seconds, uh, I get an update on on that kind of web page that it runs internally in the house on the Pi. Um, uh, I've got a three-phase electric uh, uh, kind of uh, connection to the house, so I can see how much energy we're using per phase every ten seconds, but yeah. also how much is being fed back through the solar panel. So we've got sixteen of them on the roof. We got them when we when we moved here. And um, they produce enough energy to uh, supply us with the electricity for a year. So uh, they, they make about 3,500 kilowatt hours a year. And that's what we, what we use with the five of us in the house. Wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's nice to keep an eye on it that way. And actually, I've got a separate pie doing the water meter. I used to combine them, but, you know... When one program falls over, you need to uh, <laughs> you need to format, format the drive. Then yeah. all your data is gone. So I've I've separated them now. Another part of the, the water meter, so I can actually see. And when I first connected that, it was pretty funny. Um, I hooked it up, and it and it showed that um, ten, no, two liters an hour was sipping away somewhere. And wow. it turned out to be okay. uh, yeah. So I went, I went around the house. Uh, I was hoping it wasn't underground. No. I went around the house and it turned out to be uh, a dripping valve from the water heater. Wow, two litres an hour, did you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my it was God. just drip, 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 drip. But somewhere in a yeah. corner, yeah, you didn't hear it, didn't see it. 
Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that saved in the end. I mean, water's cheap in the Netherlands, so it probably is <laughs> with you guys. But still, you know, it's a waste of, of water. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, plus it can cause same. damage, right? I mean, if it's leaking somewhere, you could be getting, you know, damage to the house, that, you know, that, that costs you repair. So, uh, yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, so, and, and actually that the water meter showed it to me. That was, that was uh, the leak was somewhere. Yeah, uh, and I've got a third pie, but that's that's um, uh, to do to make my internet browsing a bit more comfortable, which which is uh, which runs Pi Hole, which is an ad blocker. Um, ah, okay. And um, yeah, it makes it browsing a bit uh, better on the uh, on the web. But uh, um, yeah, so all in all, I mean, you know, the, the whole I, I would say about. A year and a half ago, a year ago, it was almost uh, as like I wanted it. Um, I, I've since just added a couple of uh, things like, you know, the, the kids' rooms now also have a switch that is uh, smart because they tend to keep their, leave their lights on even when they're not there. So it just, you know, automatically yeah. turns all, off <laughs> after an hour. You know, s- simple stuff like that. But uh, it does make your life easier. And, and actually, even my wife uh, um, has kind of, gotten <laughs> well you know she's not like uh, she's a techie now but she likes some of the things that i've done like yeah um, our smart lock you know you walk up to the door and it automatically opens just a couple of seconds before you reach the knob of the door and that door handle and um uh, we've got uh, these um uh, robo cleaners one on every floor oh okay just do yeah. a couple of runs a, a week each of them um, which saves us time. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, it's not like we're uh, doing a lot of extra work because we've got them, but it's nice to just, you know, watch them drive around <laughs> with a cup of tea. <laughs> Without think. stripping over them, I guess. That would be my problem. Well, I, yeah, I don't know well, where my yeah, feet are. Put, put your feet up, otherwise it will hit it. Yeah. And um, and, and have, a, have a cup of tea while while bathing in the, in the luxury of not having to do it yourself. Yeah, I quite like that. Yeah, that's good. I mean, my wife is... Uh, you know, she rolls my eyes at anything I do like that. But I think she would probably be quite up for, you know, seeing some of the savings. I mean, electricity, you know, and gas and that it's all very expensive. I mean, LED lighting now, I think, make, has certainly made a lot of difference, I think, to energy bills. And my LEDs yeah. everywhere and electricity's come down. But I think for central heating especially, I mean, gas, rural gas central heating, uh, a lot of people are in the UK. And that costs so much money uh, if you leave it on and you don't need it um, and it's, that is just an incredible way of controlling if you're not using the room then just bring the temperature down right it makes perfect sense yeah I mean you could even do that based on for example um, uh, your your peer sensors so the infrared sensors uh, for movement um, and you know if you enter a room then your your uh, the valve opens to your radiator but I've that's just a bit too slow to actually get yeah um the the room up to temperature quick enough so i i decided against that but you know your lights flickering on when there's they also measure these sensors they also measure um the amount of light that comes in so if you've got a specifically dark day in winter you know the lights come on um because it dips below a certain level i never touch any light switches anymore which which um, it's just not because it's you don't want to do it yourself. It's not necessarily a lazy thing. It's just nice when it happens without you need to think about it or deciding on it. It just you know it takes care of itself. Cool. So the next project for you then, uh, I know that you're kind of transforming from kind of what you're doing at home and you're taking it out into a business sense now, aren't you? So you've got your own business. Uh, 
doing something really cool. Yeah. So what can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, um, actually, it was um, largely inspired on, on all the stuff that I've done with the home. Um, and uh, in, in the Netherlands, we are um, uh, one of the furthest ahead uh, in Europe on uh, EVs and EV adoption. And, uh, um, you know, the, the charging infrastructure in the Netherlands is, is growing quite quickly, mm. but it wasn't it's not still up there with the amount of cars that we have yeah. and the cars is, is, is the amount of EVs on the road are uh, still increasing um, um, even through this crisis. So the um, what I then thought was, OK, well, um, I had an idea. I thought, well, it doesn't make sense to have a fixed charge point in public spaces everywhere. Sometimes you have, you know, an event or you have a. Um, a building that you rent so you don't own the land uh, or you're mo planning to move out in six months or your whole fleet's going electric and you, yeah. you know you just have, don't have enough charge points so i actually came up with um temporary charge point a kind of a, a temporary four temporary charge points in a kind of a mobile unit that you hook up to the mains power and you just put wherever you need extra charge points for evs and um yeah that's you know um the reason I say it's an inspiration or the, 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 the smart home was an inspiration is because it just started with that and, you know, thought it was something to do and I had an idea and can you make this happen? Yeah, you can. Yeah. And actually I did that with the, with starting the company as well. Um, and now it's, you know, it's up and running. It's called Charge Makers. It's a, um, we've, we've got these trailers that we drive around and um, uh, help people out that, um, need to charge their cars. Currently, they they run off mains. Um, the next version will have uh, a modular battery system attached, um, so that you can you know even go off grid yeah. um, and charge cars or power other things about that as well. Um, and the good thing about that is you know um, almost the world's your oyster because nothing you know EVs are pretty new. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, it, people don't know which way it's heading. You know, you know there will, there will be more, but how many charge points is enough? Um, things like that. You need charge points in construction. I've got a um, relationship with a construction company. It actually, you know, is putting the, the charge points on their construction sites, uh, either both for cars as well as for for their machinery. Yeah. Um, and um, so yeah, it's uh, and actually yeah, I mean, it, it's fun to see. Uh, it gives me a lot of energy to to see um, how this took off, and um, uh, it's it's a different form of tinkering in a sense. But uh, it's um, it, uh, how do I say that? Um, in Dutch, we have a saying: it puts uh, bread on the table. Is that the same in, um, in yeah, English? Pretty, yeah, pretty so. much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty so much. Uh, actually, put bread on the table, which is pretty awesome. Making your your own money. So um, yeah, cool. So good. Um, very cool. So look, Casper, thank you so much. It's great to chat to you today. Really inspiring. I definitely need to get my home, my smart home set up back on the uh, back on the table as a project. And uh, yeah. you've shown all the benefits there of what you can save in terms of energy and, and money at the end of the day. So, and of course, making our lives all that much easier. So thanks again, Casper. Take care. And when this is all uh, down, as I say to everybody that I speak to, when the whole lockdown situation is is a lot better, I'll, uh, I'll come over for a beer. It's been a while since yeah, I've been chatting. Yeah, to I'll, 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 uh, I'll keep you to that. Um, thanks, thanks for listening to my uh, all my home automation rambling. Uh, good to talk to you, Pete, and I hope to see you soon.
So it's time for In Pursuit of Dispute, the section where we all agree to disagree. So Dave and Pete, if you could live in any smart home from a film or TV series, which one would it be and why? <laughs> go on, Dave, you go. Well, go I, my my choice actually goes back to, you know, it lets me regress to being a kid and you, and you sit there and you think, what would I want my home to do? And it's it, it's got to be for me. The house in The Incredibles 2. I, I love The Incredibles anyway. I think both of them, both of the films are absolutely brilliant. I can't remember how many times I've watched it. I'd love to say I've only watched it because the kids watch it, but you know, <laughs> hey, I actually, I actually really rather like it. But the second movie where the Incredible family move into this this um, home of somebody else, this tech giant, and it does everything. And it's the, the way everything, including things like the fountains, spurt up in the middle of the, the room and the room turns into a swimming pool and doors open left, right and centre. To me, and Robbie, you talked about the Jetsons earlier on. I remember, vaguely, I remember the Jetsons from when I was young. But it's that kind of mm. proper... Uh, optimistic view of how technology is going to change the world there's plenty of negative views you know everybody from George Orwell in 1984 where the TV is watching you and, and Isaac Asimov even talked about it when he was writing science fiction some of that's slightly more sinister but you look at the Jetsons you look at the Incredibles and go that's what homes are meant to do I want to live there <laughs> so uh, for me it's got to be the Incredibles very good so uh... You guys know my favourite movies are the Back to the Future movies, right? So I, I would love to be in, you know, the Back to the Future 2, uh, Martin McFly's house there. I mean, they're actually saying that there's a lot, because that was filmed, I think it was 1986, 7, something like that. Yeah, yeah it's the late 80s, because I think the last one was done 89 or 90. But um, yeah, you know, the, the house there, when obviously they, they, they land the DeLorean and they go enough to put a thumb to the door plate, you know, so you open the door with your thumb so there's no other locks and stuff. And then they've got um, almost like Google Glass glasses where they're wearing little visors and they're, they're watching their TVs and um, they've got a, a microwave that basically, and they bring that little tiny little pizza out that's all dehydrated from Pizza Hut and they yeah, put it in yeah. the thing and like one second later, bing, they've, re they've rehydrated it and it's like this massive pizza. And, um and they still got fax machines in it though, so they kind of missed a trick there, you know, where they're faxing things everywhere around the house. Uh, but they had video calling, obviously, in there. And uh, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it was just. Um, I guess it's just a bit of nostalgia from my past, from from when I was a kid. But I would that Back to the Future when I saw that um, in the eighties. Obviously, we were looking to thirty years in the future, which is obviously past now in twenty fifteen. You think, wow, I'd love to get you know power laces and and fly in a in a car on the. Um, on the skyway and and uh and and uh go on a blaze of adventures and stuff but yeah wow that that would be me back the back to the future two house would be brilliant that would be cool i mean similar for me now you, as we know what your favorite film in mine is <laughs> iron man always will be always has been um and stark mansion is the ultimate for me um yeah again the the amount of tech that's built into there and jarvis throughout again isn't actually too far off reality now and I, I did see that Mark Zuckerberg had, had created his own version of it as well his own version of Jarvis that he's got in his own home and there was a really cool video of that so I would check that out um, but really the the thing for me in that that I always remember one of the scenes in the film and it's not even probably the most impressive it's not the big workshop that he's got downstairs um, but it was the the morning when he'd, he'd had the one night stand with the journalist 
and then she wakes up in his room on her own the following day and yeah. the slowly the 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 blinds rise up and the skyline's revealed outside and you just hear Jarvis saying good morning and giving the the weather telling what the surf report is talking through all this information and you think that it's not far off what we've got now with capability in terms of things like Alexa but it's just done so well and it's obviously tailored to that person in terms of the sort of things they're interested in and, and tailoring the exact information they want. Um, but yeah, for me, Stark Mansion every day of the week. Okay, do you know, just a little fun fact for you. Do you know Jarvis's voice is by Paul Bettany? Yeah. But he also yeah. plays another Marvel character as well. Do you know who that is? Vision. Yeah. So he plays two characters, doesn't he, basically? I yeah, don't, but you know. he kind of comes from Jarvis though, doesn't he, in the first place? Oh, I guess so. That's why I he's guess... got the voice. Yeah. I must have missed that bit. I'm obviously not geeky enough to uh, get that reference. But uh... What does Jarvis stand for, Pete? Uh, right. Jarvis stands for... Um... <laughs> Let me think about this. I don't know. I know it's obviously an acronym for something. But what is it? Just a rather very intelligent system. Uh, there clever. you go. There I you didn't go. know that at all. But also okay. his butler when he was a kid was called Edwin Jarvis. So it all ties oh, right, together. Okay. So, oh, sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm geeking out against Marvel again. <laughs> um, you are king of the geeks this week, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because wasn't the original Carter in in? Uh, sorry, the original Jarvis was in the Agent Carter spin-off, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yes. Catherine and I both yeah. watched and loved, and that was that was fun. That was a lot. Of fun. No, I I have only seen two or three of those. I really need to go and watch those, don't I? Um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're uh, a lot of does... fun actually. I do like them. I think they're all on <laughs> Disney Plus now, actually. Are they? Yeah. I, I'm just thinking about the whole timeline with Endgame and Captain America, and he doesn't appear in any of these, obviously, then, in, in any of the Agent Carters, because he would have gone back at some point and been living with her, right? <laughs> have, have I just done a completely time-skew thing that, that, that this, this mind-boggling? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and on anyway. that note, let's go on to Geek of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> so... This week, who are you nominating for our Geek of the Week award? Dave? Um, I'll go first, yeah. Uh, my little girl, but we're in lockdown, everybody's trying to learn new things. Uh, my little girl plays a piano. Uh, we've inherited my mum's piano, electric piano, and she does really, really well with that. And uh, she started making noises about wanting to learn to play the guitar. There's plenty of apps that let you Oh, this is just guitar I think it's called and it, it basically walks you through from this is a string you need to pluck it and making noises we've got guitars I'm a bass player we've got a guitar lying around the place a very old classical one um, and it's not particularly comfortable because my little girl is actually really quite small for her age so we, we're trying to find something smaller so we've been looking around and it's basically it's just brought me back to my favorite guitar designer of the world Leo Fender um, he was he was a geek that I think would fit in quite well with us. He started out uh, fixing radios, which is an interesting link back to the RS origins of radio spares. Fender started out with a radio repair shop in California um, and kind of developed from there because local musicians would come in and ask him to fix their PA systems. Then when amplification, this is in the 1930s, so when amplification started to come in, they started asking him to modify their instruments to allow them to amplify. And then it went on from there and they started making their own instruments. Now, with, with one notable exception, he was never really the first. He wasn't the first to make uh, amplified guitars. 
uh, he wasn't the first to come up with that technology but the, the things that he created were so iconic that it's hard to imagine music for the last 70 years without him the one thing he did invent the bass guitar being a bass player this is close to my heart the whole idea of a fretted bass guitar was his idea and so the precision bass, which you can still buy in basically the same form that he created it 70, 80 years ago, um, that was that was his creation. He sold Fender uh, back in, I think it was the 70s, he sold it to CBS. Yeah. So for a long old time, he didn't actually have anything directly to do with the Fender Corporation. After he sold it, he went on to uh, to be part of G&L and, and various other things. Um, he died in 91. And um, Fender actually took out a whole page advert the Fender Corporation. Bear in mind he hadn't had anything to do with them for that 20 odd years. Whole page newspaper ad and all it was was his picture and the words thank you underneath and the little Fender logo right at the bottom. And it, every time I pick up an instrument and I've got a couple of Fenders, I, I pick them up and I think it's so simple but this is a guy that just tinkered and came up with ideas. He never learned to play guitars, he never learned to play these instruments but he created these things but that millions have used. I remember mm. reading about that before that he he didn't play the guitar he played the saxophone, yeah. Uh, but he he could design great guitars. But oh yeah, yeah. crazy. You're talking about amps. You guys might remember this story, but obviously RS Components, our, our mothership here at Design Spark, actually um, has a heritage with the Marshall One 100 volt amplifier. You know the story behind this, Dave. So this is basically no, where so so Pete Townsend basically. Um, of the who he challenged marshall basically to build the first 100 watt guitar amplifier and um up until then they i think the marshall amplifiers are based on like a standard american design and stuff so they went and developed this thing and they used loads of rs valves and all that kind of stuff and they built this thing and and um that iconic kind of rock and roll 1960s sound rock and roll sound was kind of created um and produced out of that amplifier so they became kind of the benchmark um of amplifiers and they were used by Jimi hendrix and eric clapton and all those kind of guys so um i think um there was a it's a bbc documentary that's on it it's probably not even on iPlayer play now but the rs components features on there uh so, so so go and check it out but yeah the story of how they built this this you know rock and roll iconic amplifier that uh, is is powered by rs valves which is really cool i, I do like that kind of stuff because it's it's interesting to note how some so many things are just music, but so many things kind of started by people tinkering. You were talking about the the whole Internet of Things and the, the smart home. People come up with their own little ideas um, and bodge them together using what yeah. technology they have. And the next thing you know, that's a, a worldwide product. I love that kind of development. The fact that somebody's come up with the idea, makes it and then it gets adopted. Mm. OK, so um so my geek of the week in fact was our <laughs> was our um a geek guest uh, today uh interview and that's casper so um casper schumacher's uh has created this amazing um smart home and some of it's homebrew some of it's stuff he's bought off the shelf but uh he's built some incredible things um and using raspberry pies and I think Arduinos and other bits of electronics that he's kind of hacked together. Uh, he's, he's got an app that controls it. Um, and yeah, he, he was kind of inspired me really to do some more things. So he, he was the guy that inspired me actually to get a NAS drive and, and originally run my Plex server on it. 
which died so I've now built, built a new one using a little Windows computer but he's done some um, he's done some really cool things so um, yeah he, I mean and, and he covered those in the podcast so but yeah I, I definitely want to do some more of those things because they're, they're fun little projects and uh, you, you get some great results from them cool um, mine is Max Simmons um, who was a a 2019 winner of the EW Bright Sparks Awards that we run alongside Electronics Weekly every year. So that's the an award that's given to the top 30 young electronics engineers in the UK. So he won that last year, um, but just recently came back into into my mind again because I seen mm. through LinkedIn that he'd actually hacked the trophy that we gave him. Yeah. Um, now. It's, that's not as weird and wacky as you would think because the, the trophies that we created for these were specially commissioned trophies designed by Boldport. And they're yeah, actually, Star Trimmer, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. They're, they're actually real circuit boards. Um, so what Max did was he used the traces and pads as part of a project um, and he created a plasma speaker using the trophy and then he posted the whole thing online and it is really, really cool. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I really enjoyed that. So I, I felt he deserved a nomination. So my nomination this week is Max. Okay. Although I don't think that he can beat Leo Fender, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that. I think Leo Fender for me too is definitely the um, yeah geek of the week. Thanks. Well, you, one of the things you'll notice a lot of my geek of the weeks tend to be I've talked, I've, I've described myself as an analog geek uh, before now, and you'll you'll notice that a lot of my geek heroes tend to be more analog type people. So what? Casper's done with his host ham for example it just blows my mind that these things are possible mm. um, maybe, maybe it's that I can't relate to that level of technology maybe the fact that whacking a few valves together and a few mechanical devices uh, appeals to my somewhat old fashioned mind <laughs> very good great so that brings us to the end of yet another episode Thank you once again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the episode, please do three things for us. Subscribe on your favourite podcast platform, leave us a review and share the podcast with a friend. For more episodes and bonus content, please head to designspot.com forward slash podcasts where you'll find our new look website and we'll see you all again next week. Thanks, guys. No worries. Cheers, guys. See you soon.